Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock, a once-in-a-while podcast about Star Trek and Star Trek, uh, New Trek. I am Captain Sabriel Mastin as we drift out here in space without a warp core. And as usual, I am joined by Chief Engineer Ken Gagney. Hello, Ken. You know, I must not be doing my job because I don't think we've ever had a warp core. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. Uh, You know, but I figure this is a problem for future us. That's right. We've been doing this podcast for five years now, and we've just been drifting the whole time. Well, you know, I was, well, I don't know about that, but I was thinking, like, we never actually named this. We just kind of generally said the trans, the podcast was the ship or station or whatever. And I'm like, wow, we never actually named this thing besides transporter lock. Should we be like the USS transporter lock? And USS Fargo? No. <laughs> Why? It's a North Dakota class ship. <laughs> It's a very flat ship. Anyway, <laughs> we are here to talk about some lower decks and a little bit of prodigy and see if it's caught my interest. <laughs> yet. It's Star Trek. How could it not be interesting? Uh, well, we can talk about that in a bit. <laughs> uh, so I was thinking for a change, we would break the stereotype of podcasts and not do the let's jump into it 20 minutes later. And actually just jump in. Stunning. We're only a minute 35 in. I know. we're already talking about what the show's about. (laughs) I figured, wow, for once I'm going to try this efficiency thing. And if it doesn't work out next next time, we can wait to half hour in. I mean, if you really want to be efficient, you'll just get me off the show. Monologues are very efficient. (laughs) So, uh, speaking of good segues that you just gave me, Lower Decks. And bad segues. Uh, lower decks. Uh, we were we, we talked about maybe just talking about the finale here, um, because we were, we were going to record before and we had some scheduling issues, and you know I think the finale is actually the last couple episodes. Um. So, uh, the finale here. Uh, the episode's title was called "The Stars at Night." Before that was "Trusted Sources." Um, lower decks season three is over. Ken, do you have a? How do you? How did you feel about it? What did? You, what did you like? Like the, the short answer, you know. We can talk about that more in a minute. Yeah, I would say that lower decks of the five new Star Treks out there is probably like my third favorite, and that's not because it isn't great, but because it's competing with Discovery and Strange New Worlds, which yeah. are both phenomenal. But lower decks is something I really look forward to every week. I, I it's just a it's a fun way to spend a Thursday night. It doesn't require a lot of thought. It's fast. It's funny. Uh, I, I'm we're really getting to know the characters after so long, which I always feel like we did, but I'm actually seeing a little bit of evolution of the characters. They actually are. I know this is probably a lot more than the one to 10 words that you probably <laughs> expected me, but it's all one so, breath. It counts. Well, some things get resolved too quickly and I've complained about that before, like the season opening, but then they also have these little threads that they keep going back to, like Rutherford's implant and Tendi's piratical history. And I like that they have those other elements that come and go. So, yeah, I'm digging Lower Decks. How about you? 
Yeah, season three here. I'm loving it. I, I, I wish I could go back to season one. Me, like, like we were both kind of like, who is this for? <laughs> right. And now this is like probably uh, since you put in a skill, this is probably my second favorite behind Strange New Worlds. Uh, you like this more than Discovery? Yeah. Wow. Um, I am loving Lower Decks. Like now, what? Like, a lot of times during my workday, I'll put on um. Star Trek Live that Paramount Plus does, and if it's Lower Decks, so I just leave it on, even if I've seen the episode a million times. Uh, yeah, I love it so much. I do feel like the third season was maybe less funny than the first so. two, but that was in exchange for better plots and more character development. It's kind of like how the Orville was billed mm-hmm. as a sci-fi comedy, and it opened with a heavy emphasis on the comedy. And as the show continued, it transitioned to more emphasis on the sci-fi to the show's betterment, I think. And yeah. I feel like sometimes Lower Decks is making a similar drift. I, I can see that. I can absolutely see that. Um, and like, it's, I think over time, while the, well, uh, it's less and less of um, Leo pointing at the screen meme of, um, well, there are always a million references. The first season, especially, but over time, they've gotten fewer. The oh, that's a thing from that episode. That's a other thing, and um, but yet you still get the uh, times where, like, even in the finale, or oh, next to the finale, finale, trusted sources. Um, Mariner, she's like, is this some kind of weird like frame of mind fever dream? Like, completely referencing the name of the episode that Riker um is stuck in his head. Um, they, they make those kind of jokes all the time too. Cause we know what those mean. Yeah. That was really breaking the fourth wall or the reference to, so you think there's like a parallel universe where younger people are playing us? <laughs> like that sounds pretty out there. Oh my gosh. That episode crisis point two paradoxes was brilliant. I love that episode. It's so great that they can do a holodeck episode that isn't about the holodeck going wrong or well, getting too. people trapped. You know, like it, it, it is exactly what it's supposed to be. It's a place to live out your fantasies and maybe as therapy to work through things that you can't outside the holodeck. I think the therapy point is great. And I also love just the special effects they use in the show. They made it look like a film grain, like a TNG era. Um, at one point, Mariner even steps over the black bars that they have on theaters as she steps into or out of the holodeck. Um, just like the little touches like that or the weird, um, I saw a Twitter thread about it, how um, special effects are always you know, put in post back there in the film era. And so they even change like how, like when their time hole or whatever they called it again is um, appearing when everyone jumps out of it. It's a completely different type of background that they use even in the cartoon. So it looks like the film grain, like just these tiny little minor details. That was just beautiful chef's kiss. And those are things that I don't think I consciously notice. I've pointed out before that you have an eye and ear for detail that I sometimes miss. But even if I'm not noticing it, that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the, the black bar thing is my favorite. Stepping over the movie black bar. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Are you talking about like the the letterbox? Yeah, yeah letterboxing. Thank. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I th- you know what? I again, now that you mention it, I can picture that scene, but I didn't consciously like say, "Oh, hey, look, look at what they're doing." Uh huh. You know, that's smart. Uh, beautiful. But uh, and then like trusted sources, where we got um the news, the FNN from Generations, <laughs> um back again. Um, and this was the most tropey episode to me of the entire series. 
where like no one believes Mariner. Um, everyone's like, I assume Mariner uh, caused a lot of problems. And um, we saw like this is the breakup of our season long relationship between her and Jennifer. We get um, basically no one believes Mariner. And uh, she's kicked out the ship, which is a callback to like the first or second episode. Um, so like, we had the season long arc. Uh, and I thought that was a fun little way to tie it up and in jumping into stars at night where she is a, um, not bounty hunter. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, archaeologist with a quotes, space archaeologist. Yeah. I, I like that she had the opportunity to experience life outside of Starfleet. Uh, but to your point about the relationship, I thought the resolution between she and her mom just went a little too quickly. Like, I know that Mariner said, okay, I spent the last two years giving you every reason to believe that that was my fault. So that's my bad, and I'm willing to turn over a new leaf. But still, her mom said some pretty awful things. Like, I'm not ready to have you on my ship. I'm I'm not sure I'm okay calling you my daughter. I'm sending you to Starbase 80. Those are three pretty powerful things. Oh, yeah, um... Yeah, I, I also lower decks. Um, so if you want to talk about her relationship with her mother, I mean, it's it's always had that um, I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love you thing. Uh, and, and to me, like, I didn't crave that apology between them. Uh, to me, it added nothing not having it because, I don't know, it's just like that's not what the series has usually been um, outside of, like, I don't know. To me, it's always just been the on again, off again with her mother. I really didn't... It didn't bother me at all. But you agree that some resolution was necessary between them. Yeah, I said, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. okay. That was good enough for me. Do you think that we should have seen something similar between Mariner and Jennifer? Eh, I mean, I would love to always love to see more uh, queer relationships, but nah. I mean, Jennifer clearly was done with it after uh, Trusted Sources, and then by the time Mariner's back in Stars at Night, she doesn't even acknowledge Jennifer uh, and goes right to her friends. Like, okay, yeah, it's over. And if there's a makeup between seasons, cool. But if there's not, whatever. <laughs> I'm just wondering if Mariner can forgive her mother. Can't she use that same reason to forgive Jennifer? Like, okay, you know I'm a jerk. I can be a jerk. So if that's my bet. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it could happen. It basically depends on what the, the speed of plot is if they're going to stay together. I mean, it was such the only time it only came up twice during the episode that they were even a couple or the season. And um, and so like it was not a major thing. Uh, yeah. And that's how they treat it in Lower Decks. And Jennifer did look a little either embarrassed or regretful when Mariner oh, yeah. came back as well. She should. So I'm glad they at least acknowledged that. Yeah. And, and I mean, a lot of heck, it's interesting. A lot of the relationships are the background characters and just watching how they react to the characters who are talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how we, I mean, that's how Jennifer was for last season and this season. Um, uh, yeah, so, eh, whatever. I would love it if they get back together, but I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, sounds like a very normal resolution to me, uh, if they don't. There are at least three points in the last four episodes that I want to discuss with you, and I'm, and I'm picking out the four episodes because those are the ones that have aired since the last episode of Transporter Lock with that mm-hmm. emphasis was on. First, what did you think about the episode focusing almost exclusively on Peanut Hamper? <laughs> I was like, wow, all right, finally a redemption. Oh, okay. Uh, 
that's lower decks for you. She doesn't. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was, I was happy. And I was just like, this is also going the very tropey episode. And then I was kind of, I, I think I, at first viewing, I was let down. I was like, oh, but then I went to the second viewing. Yeah, that's lower decks. <laughs> um, how about you? This was one of the few episodes that actually made me a little uncomfortable. I found the sexual humor <laughs> was unprecedented in Lower Decks. What, are you laughing because I'm Hold a prude? On. No, I'm laughing because I knew you were going to say that. But also, like, we saw Boimler's junk in the season two. So. <laughs> yeah, but it, there was a black bar over it. I mean, actually, we saw the entire crew's junk. And it was a holodeck. <laughs> but oh, I was... I, I was when I had the, the bird and the hexacomma, I was like, <laughs> they're, yep, they're going there. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm glad one of us was. I, I did like the ending, though, where they paired Peanut Hamper with Jeffrey Combs. Yes. And uh, I wonder if that's what's controlling the AI computer. <laughs> if um, if our Badmiral um, tapped into the evil computer lab. Ooh. Oh, that's a good idea. Or Badgie probably should have been put there, but wasn't. Right, right. Well, that ties into the season finale where we, we got to see Badgie again, the remnants of Badgie, uh, which is a season one callback. He wasn't in season two or up until now, season three at all. So we don't know where they're going with that or who is trying to resurrect Badgie. Yeah, or if they decide to go without it at all anyway. <laughs> right, it could just be one of the many loose ends that Star Trek never oh. ties up. You know, it's funny, interesting. I was talking to uh, my friend and friend of the show, Shar, mm-hmm. um, that um, this season actually felt like uh, the resolution of a lot of, or a number of little things that have come up over the course of the show. Especially, but the big one being Rutherford and his. Um, yes. Um, it's like resolution is probably a strong word, but, but it tied up a lot of things. I don't know if it was like just in case or. Uh, whatever it just felt like that even if it didn't actually tie up a bunch we got boimler being stronger we got mariner mom making up a little bit more uh we got rutherford attendee we really didn't get much we've had her i guess this season you know trying to work towards officer stuff but um but uh yeah the season just felt like let's close up some of these just in case but you know if we but i think we're doing all right there is going to be a season four right yeah and, okay. yeah, there is. There is now. We know that for sure. Um, did you see the stinger at the end of the credits? Stars at night? There was a po- there was a stinger. Or a stinger. Whatever the thing is that, you know, show at the very end. Remind the credits. me. Post-credits scene. That's the word I'm looking for. Maybe I didn't see it. Um, uh, We're showing just a wreckage of in space. Oh, yeah. Like what... Rutherford's uh, eyepiece. And some green beam starts... Like a tractor beam starts pulling it towards it, and Badgie appears on the screen of. Yeah, that's why I just said we we okay, see yeah, Badgie. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw Badgie come back, but I was actually a little confused why the AI powering the Alito uh, ship would be the same as what's in Rutherford's eye implant. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if I was supposed to see was the exact same. All we know is that um. Uh, bad badass racer, uh, Rutherford made a program. Something blew up. Uh, our bad moral, uh, took it, stole it, and then um, 
I don't remember what happened in the season. Season two, one was it where this badgy thing got in there? Well, Badgie appeared twice in season one, and then at the end of season two is when Rutherford first had Used the flashback it. of somebody yeah. uh, with it. installing the implant. Uh, I'd have to go back and watch those finales to, uh, again to remember exactly, but I'm sure, but also, sure, Badgie hiding in the eye implant. Okay, I mean, I can see just doing it. Well, isn't that, I think that's how they did it in season one. I think I trust that. Yeah. yeah. They, they put Badgie in the eye implant and sent him over there or something, right? Something like that. Yeah. Cause I remember at the end of season one, Rutherford didn't have his implant and had That's to have right. a new one installed. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's confusing. I don't understand the correlation between all these technologies and how they tie together. Uh, Rutherford, just an AI person. Uh, I think we got two different things going on here. Badgie, he was still alive inside the broken implant thing. Yep. But then, uh, but Rutherford is good at AI. And so he uh, had made a new thing and um, probably used a lot of the code that he had originally. Uh, maybe just this Badmiral stole a copy of it and then changed it. Did the Badmiral steal it or was Racer Rutherford working with slash for the Badmiral? I don't think we know for sure, but I think the implication is working with slash four. That's what I assumed as well. So why would the Badmiral erase his memory just because something blew up? Uh, if you think too hard into it, you're probably doing more than they did. Uh, <laughs> you know, I remember this he's interview. He's a Badmiral. They do bad stuff. I remember this interview that Mark Hamill did a uh-huh. couple of years ago where he was talking about when they were filming the original Star Wars episode four and they were shooting the scene where they had just come out of the trash compactor. Like they shot that before the scene where they went into the trash compactor. And he, and he said, well, wait a minute, if we just came out of the trash compactor, shouldn't we have like smushes in our hair and stuff rather than looking as clean as we do. And Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill does a great Harrison Ford impression. I don't, but Mark Hamill said that Harrison Ford said that he said, Hey kid, it's not that kind of movie. If people are looking at her hair, we're doing something wrong. Like, oh, okay. So if I'm thinking about lower decks too hard, it's not that kind of show, I mean, and I'm yes. probably doing it wrong. Possibly. Also, we just might not know yet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see more of Badging that may have additional implications. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, got. Oh, go for it. Maybe we we're going to say the same thing because I said there were three things I wanted to ask you about. I only right. got through uh, one particles. So um, no, uh, <laughs> I was excited to see the space station. Uh, that was like the sp- the huge ones like we have outside of Earth, uh, actually in combat, <laughs> and then it, it only got to shoot like one phaser or two phasers before it was taken out. But <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they're useless. See it in combat. We've never seen one of those things fire anything ever before. Um, so I was like, that was neat. They basically gave it turrets like DS Nine had. Wasn't it in the very first episode of DS Nine where uh, Commander Cisco said like activate the engines and. O'Brien's like, what engines? Oh, they, had, they had uh, maneuvering thrusters to make, to make sure the station stayed in right orbit around Bajor. Right. But I think they were trying to move the station closer to the wormhole. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they, they eventually did, but it wasn't as easy as Cisco thought it would be. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, cool. They, I had this, the spacer turrets that DS9 later got on the Yay. station. <laughs> Finally. Uh, we had a really, really cool guest star in the anti-penultimate episode 
in Crisis Point 2 Paradoxes. Oh, thank you. I could just say that. <laughs> Why the use pre, The pre-post uh, uh, doctorate penultimate <laughs> Why use a small word when a big one will do, Sabriel? <laughs> so when Boimler finds himself basically in the ribbon, uh-huh. and he's at Kirk's farm. Oh, yes. Got- <laughs> we get to see Hikaru Sulu. That's right. Now, I think this is the first time we've had original dialogue from an original series actor on Lower Decks. Yeah. Yeah, no, actually, I think it is because most of them are I could share them are dead now. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. Uh, but yeah, that was... So I thought when he first showed up in the Nexus that we were going to see William Shatner because that's exactly what they want us to do. We even uh-huh. see Kirk's name on the mailbox and everything. Were you surprised that it wasn't Shatner and were you surprised that it was Sulu? Uh, more like I was surprised it was Sulu. I didn't really... I didn't know where they're going to go with it. It's lower decks. So, I mean, cause like I said, it is also very much Leo pointing meme. It's like, okay, they're referencing generations here. Um, what's actually going to be here is often my, my, my look, not, Oh, this is exactly what it is. No, it's usually what's this good. What, how are they going to twist this? It's usually mm-hmm. when I see a scene in lower decks. Yeah. I just, I love Sulu's lines, but my favorite two being like, I, that is exactly what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> when Boimler tries to rephrase it. And then he basically says, Horsey is going to bite you now. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine that Sulu ever predicted he would be saying these lines in a canon Star Trek production. Uh, I mean, you see a lot of weird lines in normal Star Trek too. <laughs> oh, I mean, this is true. This is true. And I, and I am happy with these lines. I'm not saying they were beneath him or anything. It's just, uh-huh. it's, you know, Lower Decks is just a slightly different kind it of is, Star it Trek. It is, But also we, have, we also had Leonard Nimoy saying, they are not the hell, you're whales. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, Star Trek Four. I need to rewatch that. That was just such a wonderful movie. It was a comedy that was, happened to also be Star Trek. Uh-huh. Very Star Trek. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then the, there was a third thing. The third thing is, again, this is me overthinking. <clears throat> this is me being unable to suspend my disbelief, but the stars at night, the finale. First of all, awesome tie into Admiral Picard. I love that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But secondly, so they're they're on this archaeology archaeology ship, and it's on the news that the Cerritos is under attack by the Alito. So everybody knows because it's all on the news. But Starfleet isn't doing anything about it until Mariner goes around and says, hey, everybody, can you come please help the Cerritos that's under attack and whose location I know exactly? And they'll say, oh, sure, since you asked nicely, now we'll help. Do we know that? Well, she's. we know that Mariner said, yeah, I brought help. I brought all of them. So we know that the California class is there because she brought them. Uh-huh. But it seems like if she hadn't called them, the California class would have done nothing. All right. Space is really, really big, like astronomically big. Like you might think it's a long way to the chemist, but that's nothing compared to space. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide. Um, uh, yeah, I was wondering what you were quoting. Uh, or something very close to it anyway. Uh, like, yeah, suspend your disbelief because otherwise we don't get the cool moment where I actually teared up. Or maybe not teared up, got misty eyed. 
the first time I watched it. Like, I had no idea there was more than two California classes. And mm-hmm. uh, and also, like, all these people I don't care two things about uh, show up to save uh, the, um, the Lord next, I was going to say, the, the Cerritos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just a fun moment. And they got to kind of play with the Picard thing of, like, a million ships show up that look exactly the same. Uh <laughs> Yeah, ever since I was a little kid, I've been a sucker for a lot of small players all arrive and stand up at the last minute and defeat a larger foe than them. Yeah. Like they like there was Star Wars to do it. But like there there was an episode or a movie of uh remember Herbie the Love Bug? Uh-huh. I don't remember which movie it was, but like there was one episode where like all these other cars suddenly become sentient and they all rush to his rescue or, uh-huh. or the movie bed knobs and broomsticks where the Nazis are invading England. And this guy turns into a rabbit and brings together, makes all these living suits of armor come to life and defeat the Nazis. I'm like, that stuff is just great. I love uh-huh. that stuff. And so, yes, uh, I, I totally understand you being misty at this. Yeah. I mean, they do that in Star Trek. Or not sorry, Star Wars uh, Nine. Uh, a bunch of people come to go save all the Death Star ships uh, at the very, or defeat all the Death Star ships the Emperor has at the end of there. Um, you see a bunch of familiar faces there. Oh yes, yes. Uh, in Doctor Who, uh, one of the anniversary episodes, we get all at that point. We are on. Um, uh, it's one of the anniversary one when uh, they got to go save Gallifrey, and uh, and they were using the TARDIS to do some computational study and doctor's like you could say I've been doing this all my lives and then like each doctor shows up on the screen and you think they're done because like we just got through 12 and then all of a sudden the eyes appear no 13 and then we get Capaldi who uh, wasn't even the doctor yet Uh, that was a huge one (laughs) I love it so yeah that always works on me (laughs) or even in the TNG episode uh, I think the name of the episode is The Defector, where Picard is uh, in the neutral zone and he's being faced by two Romulan mm. warbirds. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, three Klingon warbirds decloak. And Picard's <sighs> like, shall, shall we die together? I was like, oh, I love it. I just love it when people do that. Um, however, it was at the end of season one of Lower Decks that we saw a ship swoop in to save the Cerritos yeah, we had the last the minute. There. Yeah. And so two out of three season finales have involved somebody else showing up at the last minute to save the Cerritos. Uh-huh. Because you yeah, have a second class ship. <laughs> you know, someone's got to do it. I suppose. I But I really liked the end of season two where they were the ones who swooped in to save somebody else. Mm-hmm. I would like to see more of that. Um. And this is the first one where we don't get a cliffhanger in like, oh, the captain's been arrested or, oh, such a thing. Like, there's a cliffhanger, but in the same way where I'm like, oh, how are they going to resolve this in 30 seconds in the next season? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Although see, there isn't one. There wasn't one. There's nothing to wait and see for. But there will be a fourth season. Yes, but there's nothing to resolve in 30 seconds. Other than badging. Uh, sorry, I, I mean, I'm, I didn't get the point across. Uh, in the last few seasons, there was something like, oh no, how are they going to resolve this bad thing? And you're like, Bree, what do you think? How are they going to resolve this? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't know. And then 
uh, it never mattered because they resolve it in the first 30 seconds of the first episode. What was the thing at the end of season one? Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank right now, but there was something. Uh, it probably had to do with the Packlets. I mean, season two, the uh, yeah, the Packlet planet blew up, and yeah, the captain got arrested. I don't remember a season one cliffhanger. Well, uh, that's a problem for future us. <laughs> uh, Boilermaker was promoted and went to uh, Titan. He was off the ship. Oh, that's true. That's true. And in this season, we saw his twin, quote unquote, die. Yes, he did. When they said how he died, I was like, that is not something that should happen on a modern starship. Shouldn't they have carbon monoxide t- detectors that pick up on how gas? Was it leaks? Again? Oh, it was just like he died in his sleep because some gas in his in his bunk or something. But of course, he didn't die. He's section 31. Well, he's off screen. So, yeah. What do you he mean? Died off screen? Screen. He died off screen. So he's always there's always a chance he can come back. Well, well he didn't die. Well, that you just said he did. Boimler Boimler believes that his twin died because that was the official story. But then we saw that he faked his own death in order to join Section 31. I remember now. I remember now. Okay. Which I think is a tie-in to the non-canon Enterprise novels because that's what they say happened to Trip Tucker at the end of Season 4 of Enterprise. Mm -hmm. He faked his death in order to join Section 31. Uh Uh-huh. It could be. But if you're supposed to be secret, why do you have different comm badges? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're making fun of Discovery with that, which I love. Oh, they absolutely are. Yeah. Because it's a really good question. Section 31 mm-hmm. is the least secretive secret organization there is. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I just remembered. One more thing. I forget already which episode it was. But when they were doing the... Uh, what was it called? Like the dry, the, the project swing by. That's what it was. So mm-hmm. trusted sources. Well, first of all, when they went to the, the planet Ornara, which was in TNG with the drug addicts, it was so weird because like, remember how you and I had watched the TOS episode balance of terror. And then they redid it in strange new worlds, like uh-huh. a uh-huh. month later. I had just rewatched that episode of TNG, like a week earlier. <laughs> And so they immediately went back. So that was an odd synchronicity. But the second thing is, in the first time that that planet showed up in TNG, Picard said, I can't interfere with you because you're not Federation planets and therefore the Prime Directive applies or something like that. That's why I can't give you these parts to repair your starship. But then in Project Swingby, they go by and they say, hey, tell us what you need and we'll install it for you. I'm like, what's changed? It was already interfered with. I don't know. It, it's, uh, I don't, honestly. Eh. <laughs> I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised if the Prime Directive applies only when it's convenient for the plot. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the ultimate answer, right? Yeah. Kind of like how some ships have plot armor. Uh-huh. Until they get, to, until they get a movie. Hmm. You know, I, I've, I've said this before, but it reminds me of when the Lord of the Rings movies came out. There is a website, moviemistakes.com, uh-huh. I think. And it details all the minute things that go wrong. Like, oh, in this scene, he's wearing this, but in the next scene, he's wearing this other thing. Or in the background, you can see a car driving by during Lord uh-huh. of the Rings or whatever. And I love that stuff. Like, I just think it's so great that people are so attention or uh, so detail oriented and paying attention to these things and they document it. And it's like an Easter egg in every scene that I get to look for. 
And so I showed this Lord of the Rings entry to a friend of mine who's a huge Tolkien fan. And she said, people like that disgust me, the people, <laughs> people who compile this website, because she saw it as people trying to tear down her favorite movie by mm. pointing out everything that's mm-hmm. wrong with it. And I was like, in my opinion, the people who document all these discrepancies, they don't do that unless they love the movie. That's you know, like so that- I criticize uh, Threshold or I can criticize Star Trek all day long, but I love it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like when I say, hey, the Prime Directive is very inconsistent here, I'm not saying that to tear it down. I was like, I love Star Trek, and I can't help but notice like all these things about it, because if I didn't love it, I would just turn it off, and I wouldn't pay <laughs> attention, and I wouldn't be so detail-oriented. So. You know, for me, all that stuff is, I do enjoy finding those those things, but when people start acting like a show is bad because of it, or you know, like treating like no knowledge of that is um, valid critique, uh, that's when it just kills the interest for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. like Kind of like how some gamers are like, oh, this World War II simulator is inaccurate because it's not historically accurate. Oh, but I love the zombie mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think Cinema Sins is one of the worst things that culture has ever brought to humanity. <laughs> Cinema Sins? It's a YouTube channel where they oh. count all the things wrong. And uh, I think it has made too many people think that they are movie critics because they notice a flaw and not because of the content of this film there's not saying critique is uh bad it's just this yeah. kind is useless you know but, i have i knew somebody who actually got a master's degree in film critique mm-hmm. uh, which is a particularly challenging career path because there are not a lot of openings for critics like at major outlets and when that position is filled it tends to stay filled for a long time but that's that's my point actually is that not just anybody can be a film critic like anybody can start a blog and talk about movies i have done exactly that that is how i got started with wordpress and i'm not criticizing my own pursuit of telling people what i think about movies but that's not what a film critic does mm-hmm, right and having a youtube channel does not a film critic make Right, oh. right. Uh, yeah. So we are over the halfway mark. Should we talk about the other Star Trek series? Uh, so is there any way you want to wrap up with Lower Decks before we continue on? Well, one brief segue, which is I love how rapidly Boimler named off all the California class ships. Oh my God, that scene was amazing. <laughs> it's better with subtitles because then you get to actually see where everything is. Like what cities I, they were. And he did almost all that in one breath. Yeah. Well, he had to. They were showing up so quickly. So one of the ships was r- the Riverside. And I am recording this podcast with you from Riverside, California. Does it so there's like a second class city? <laughs> I Actually, I haven't been here long enough to say, but every time I tell people I'm moving to Riverside, they're like, oh, why? Uh, yeah, sounds like it's a second class city. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I hope you're not expecting much, Ken. I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> But but the last time you and I spoke, we talked about how I had met William Shatner in Ticonderoga, New York. Mm-hmm. What I neglected to share on that podcast that you and I recorded was I met him on a Saturday. Uh-huh. On Sunday, I drove from Vermont to Buffalo, New York. On Monday, I drove from Buffalo to Chicago, Illinois. And on Tuesday, I drove from Chicago to Kansas City. From Kansas City, from, from Chicago to Kansas City, there are basically two routes. Roughly, one goes through St. Louis, Missouri. The other goes through Des Moines, Iowa. 
I am accustomed to the former route and I was inclined to stick with what I know, but I went with the latter through Des Moines because if I just made like a 40 minute detour, I would stop through (laughs) Riverside, Iowa, Mm -hmm. which I did, Mm -hmm. which is the future birthplace of Captain Kirk. You saw the massive pits that they have there that you can fly cars off of. It's true. It's true. (laughs) I mean, they were building the Enterprise while I was there. It was shocking. It's incredible. It's going to take that long. (laughs) So they do have a a statue that is uh, erected. It's supposed to look like Captain Kirk. It doesn't look like him, and it's a lot shorter. Like, I've Mm -hmm. seen, like, I know how tall William Shatner is, and this statue is smaller than him. Uh, down probably going to be very mad it's smaller than the Kate Mulgrew one (laughs) (laughs) it probably is I haven't been to that one although I do want to go to it in Bloomington Indiana Uh, down the street there is a plaque that says future birthplace of Captain Kirk and it's like in an alley between two buildings Mm -hmm. so I guess the theory is that in the future there will be a hospital on that site Uh, but the alley is behind a bar and if you go into the bar they have a plaque that says uh, future point of conception of Captain Kirk. <laughs> uh, it's not official, I guess. And I think it was originally on the floor under a pool table based on Amazing. pictures I saw online, but now it's just on a shelf behind the bar. <laughs> Against the Pac-Man machine. <laughs> right. Uh, and across the street from the statue is an actual museum. Which is pretty neat. A lot of it's just paraphernalia, like autographed photos and stuff like that. But they have all the Star Trek shows, including Discovery. And they have, uh, from TNG, whenever Data was in his quarters and he had this like really big desk that he would sit at, that desk is now in Riverside, <laughs> Iowa, which is pretty cool. Fantastic. One thing that was weird, though, was I walked in. I was wearing my disco shirt, the same disco shirt you have. Mm-hmm. And... The guy sitting behind the counter looks at me and says, you have a lot of nerve walking in here with that. Disco <laughs> sucks. <laughs> and I, was wow. like, I was like, when you walk in, the very first thing you see is a display dedicated to Star Trek Discovery. And so I said to him, what are you talking about? You have a Discovery display right here. And he just says, Disco sucks. And there was another tourist there, and they said, you know that Disco is short for Discovery, right? not the dance. And I'm not sure if the guy behind the counter actually knew that because like he seemed to demur a little bit once he heard that. I'm not sure if he was just like backing down from criticizing a tourist or if he was actually realizing, Oh, I, the dance sucks. <laughs> Here, I way, thought you were going to go with like, he was like just laying it on thick for like a joke. And then I didn't expect the story to end that way. <laughs> it's if he was trying to tell a joke, there was no punchline. It was, and even if he thought the dance that I like sucks, that's a really weird way to treat a tourist. Yep. (laughs) Uh, But otherwise, it was great. And at the recommendation of former transporter lock guest Susan Arndt, I did drive down Main Street blasting sabotage. (laughs) And then all the buildings blew up as they were control. Their connection was controlled. Extremely sensitive to sound. Yeah, the beats and shouting. It's true. Riverside just <laughs> couldn't stand it. It's so shocking, really. <laughs> so that was my experience in Riverside, Iowa. And here I am now in Riverside, California. All right. Talk- well, that great segue. 
Let's talk a few minutes about Prodigy. Yeah, so this is still season one somehow, which premiered earlier this year. We're now on season one, episode 11, Asylum, and season one, episode 12, Let Sleeping Borg Lie. And by the way, I hate it when they put spoilers right in the title. But anyway, you know me, spoilers. Asylum and Let Sleeping Borg Lie. I... I'm very interested in your take because I know that you've been lukewarm on Prodigy in the past. But one thing I want to say is Asylum aired the same night as the Lower Decks finale, which and those two have never overlapped before, as far as I know. Going right from one animation style to the next was rough. (laughs) That's rough. I feel like I may have said something like that in the past. Oh, oh, no, but I did about different different shows. Like one started when one ended. Oh, Discovery in Picard. That's what it was. Or something like that. Like the the contrast is like, no, you need time to separate these. <laughs> yeah, like I, I like this week watching the second episode of Prodigy, I liked it more. But last week I was like, I feel like I'm watching a cutscene from a 1990s CD ROM game. Uh, <sighs> Beast Wars. Hey, don't That's knock Beast Wars. Wars. I love Beast who, Wars. Who was, who was knocking it? <laughs> and reboot, good stuff. Who was knocking reboot? <laughs> 99, okay. 99, 99. <laughs> so yeah, what do you think of Prodigy? Uh, <laughs> it's a Star Trek show, I guess. I'm still lukewarm on it. Nothing like you probably recall. Like it got me more interested by the end, but that's because I binged some of it while doing some other stuff. Once the show has already caught up, and like I am still like, oh okay, I guess there's a new one this week. It just does not catch me at all. I still hate. Doll, I think his name is um, Dal. Doll, our main kid character, who they call himself Captain. He does seem to be playing less of a role as the season goes on. Yeah, he's still my I, least favorite. But I thought that that might enamor you to the show more. Now, the only parts that are interesting to me are actual uh, Admiral Janeway and Chakotay, and um, and uh, the girl who has the cool um morphing weapon thing mm-hmm. are uh those are the only three characters i think are neat in here you don't like um, hologram janeway i say don't like just those those three i mentioned are my favorite like only ones i'm interested in hmm. like and this borg episode was so underwhelming to me i like online a lot of people loved it i so i was like wow uh this is so underwhelming people loved it why yeah uh they uh, people just loved Love the story. They thought it was so cool. It made the Borg scary again, which I did think it was cool that they added um, non-humanoid or or traditional humanoid, but have um, Borg. But oh, there's some neat things in there. But I was like, bored. I thought it was neat that they actually flew the ship right into the Borg ship. Uh-huh. We've never seen that before, other than the Voyager Endgame. Yeah. Uh, what's our Medusa name again? Zero. Zero. I I like zero to a point, but then like. This whole like uh, neat idea of assimilating a Medusin, but also I felt like that needed an extra episode or two to work through their feelings and work through their problem. It was not enough time. It's a kids show, so okay. Yeah, I have never really liked the concept of like, oh, my friend is still in there. If I just say the right words, I can get them to come out. You know, like. Uh, the final season of Shira did that, and then they did it this season with Zero. Like Zero, this is not who you are. You don't hurt people, and boom, she unassimilates herself. 
a kid uh, show. And maybe maybe Medusans are able to hold off on that. I mean, it's true that different species get assimilated differently. We saw the the Denobulan, Dr. Phlox, was able to stop and reverse the process before it was complete on himself. But like Medusans, they're non-corporeal. And also they are so powerful that you would think that, a, and also the Borg knew what species they were. So you think that assimilating one of them would be like very advantageous. And also uh, two other things. One is I too forget the female protagonist name, which is awful, but she was told like, Oh, as long as you're non-threatening, they won't try to assimilate you. But on the other hand, the Borg are very interested in biological distinctiveness and her species is unknown. So you think that the Borg would be like, we don't care if you're non-threatening. We want whatever you are. Star Trek's now is the most consistent show in the world. Uh, Gwyn, Gwyndala. That's right. Um, uh, they went. They touched on some of the classic Borg, right? Uh, when we, in, our, in TNG first met them, mm-hmm. where the Borg were. They touched on some of that, but also mm-hmm. made it look like the Voyager Borg. Um, it's like, yeah, I mean, okay, it's a kid's show. We gotta, we gotta simplify this also because we only have 24 minutes to tell our story. Uh, it's like, okay. Right, which is one of the things that we talked about with Kraft and Tiffany when they were on the show previously, which is that you and I are not really the target audience for this show. And I'm criticizing it as if we were the target audience. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, yeah. But, but on the other hand, we probably don't have a lot of kids listening to this podcast either. Not too many. Uh- <laughs> Um, and so I, like, we had talked like, do you want, before this, like you were recording, what are we going to talk about? And you're, I was like, you mentioned, do you want to do prodigy? Like, well, we could see how I'm feeling about it, I guess. Cause like before I'm like, I had no interest in talking about it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I still don't, I will watch it if I think, remember it's on, but like prodigy is, uh, or if I catch on the inter- internet that something interesting happened between the Chakotay Janeway story, uh, mm-hmm. I might catch up on that then. Oh, I'm going to rush to catch that up, but Prodigy doesn't interest me at all. Yeah, for me, it's such a low investment. Like, if it was an hour-long show every week, I might feel more similarly to you. But, you know, my Thursday nights are pretty light. I can give it Mm -hmm. a half an hour of my time or less without commercials because I'm still paying for Paramount Plus Premium or whatever. Yeah. And it's cool. Now we know that there's a Delta Quadrant space station, a communication station. Uh, Poor guy (laughs) who was on there, though, just... Before all the events of the episode happening, just one single guy out there. Good thing he had a holodeck. <laughs> However, this weapon that is on the protostar, I thought it would be more virus-like, like it would infect Starfleet. But when it infected this communications array, it didn't then travel to any of the other stations or ships that that station was in communication with. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, either it only moves as fast as it needs to for plot, or it has some weaknesses. Yeah. That we don't know yet. And also, when they talked about going on the Borg ship to find a way to destroy the weapon, like the first thing in my mind was, if the Borg assimilate that weapon, Starfleet is screwed. And that's yep. exactly what the Borg said that they were going to do. Yep. <laughs> and so you would think that hologram Janeway. Yes, she's a hologram, but she's based on Janeway, which has a lot of Borg experience, and she didn't warn them about this at all. She didn't say, hey, they might get your weapon. Like, yes, she said, I advise against this course of action, Mm -hmm. but she didn't say you might make things worse for Starfleet instead of better. (laughs) Uh, 
you know, she's like, you know what, kids, we've got 17 minutes left. I can tell you why not. Or you can find out why not yourself. What would you want to choose? And they're like, we want to find out ourselves. And they run off. <laughs> well, I was kind of laughing when she said, I advise against this course of action, but let me tell you everything I know. And I'm like, three hours later. Because <laughs> Janeway knows a lot about the board. Just, just the montage of her. and the. <laughs> I would love her. a montage. That would be fantastic. Like she pulls out a dry erase board and she starts diagrams, then, puppets. Um and but then uh Dowell would have been like, Okay, that's nice. See you, Janeway. And Jenkum yeah, would be yeah. like, Jankum doesn't want to do this, but Jankum will do it anyway. <laughs> now see despite not liking the show, you do very good impressions of it. Uh thank you. It's very easy to do Tellerite. The Tellerite here does not insult anybody. Come I on. I was just people. thinking that, yeah, like when he said, Hey, I'm one of the founders of the uh, Federation, I was like, Really? <laughs> really? Because you seem pretty amicable. However, it's probably good that we don't have a Tellerite insulting everyone because then you teach a bunch of kids. It's okay just around like, you moron, you're an idiot, but I love you. I mean, things like that. <laughs> a friend of mine brought his her kids to see the first Frozen. Mm-hmm. And one of the lessons that that kid took away from the movie was conceal, don't feel. <laughs> And we're like, did you watch the movie and see how damaging that was and how she overcame that philosophy for the benefit of her and her loved ones? They're like, no, what she got out of it was conceal, don't feel. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sometimes kids get the wrong lesson because mm-hmm, it's a little mm-hmm, too deep mm-hmm. for them. Now, granted, uh, that, that kid was on the younger side. Just, <laughs> just like when she wasn't bringing her 21-year-old daughter <laughs> to a movie like, oh, conceal. <laughs> that's what I got away from it, too. What are you talking about? Right? Well, okay, uh, that's fair. We should talk, but okay. Mm-hmm. Anything more you want to talk about, Prodigy? No. We have some other topics you want to talk about. And I also, I guess I realized now while we were talking, I did have something Star Trek to talk about. I have something to talk about. It's it's related to Janeway. Uh, go for it. Okay. Mine's related to Disco. Oh, okay. So, also in my nomadic journey, on my way to Riverside, California, just this week, my route here took me through Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I have driven through Las Vegas before on my travels. And every time I make just one stop, and that is at the Pinball Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm, great place. It is. Uh, yeah. You've been there? Oh, multiple times. Oh, good. Yeah. They moved to a new location April of 2021. It's even bigger now. It's closer to the strip. Yes, I think so. And on this visit, I saw something. I had, well, I saw many games I'd never seen before because it's that kind of museum. But in particular, relevant to this podcast, I saw something I'd never seen before, which was the Star Trek Voyager arcade game. Oh, wow. I've seen that forever. It's a light gun game. Yeah, you shoot the Borg, if I recall correctly. Exactly. So the Borg invade Voyager, and you go around. It's just like any other shooting game like House of the Dead. Uh-huh, uh, you, uh-huh. you know, They take tons of shots. They come in all different sizes, and they shoot phasers, and they try to claw at you, and you know, a lot of light gun games, the game says reload and you have to uh-huh. point off screen, pull the trigger and that reloads you. Well, phasers don't run out of energy, but you still have to have that mechanic in the game because it's a trope at this point. And so the game says, instead of reload, it says remodulate. Because <laughs> it's the board. So you point your phaser off screen, pull the trigger. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And of course, the weapon you're holding doesn't look like a phaser. It looks like a light gun, like every other game. Uh-huh. I forgot uh, all about that game. I played it before. I didn't know it's it existed. I forgot about its existence entirely. 
I had, I had no idea this was a yeah. thing. Or maybe I did 20 years ago, but I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I didn't get very far. Most games are coin eaters. They're meant to be. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good at Time Crisis, but this game, there was no hiding mechanic. The, the story yeah. was very light, of course. They might have it was, the difficulty, too. That's possible. The, the Borg took a, like, I could unload a full phaser into a Borg and it kept coming. I had to reload <laughs> just to get rid of one enemy. But it was so funny because, like, at one point you're on the bridge and Tuvok is just, like, at his console doing his thing <laughs> and you're supposed to stop the Borg from getting at him. And I was like, is he just going to, is he, is he trying to actually, like, enact some tactical response through his console or is he just trying to do his job and ignore the Borg? <laughs> If yeah, I can't so, see them, if I don't perceive them, <laughs> right? Like, like it's like a little kid. Like, maybe if you just ignore them, they'll go away or something. Like, Daddy's <laughs> trying to work. Go away, Borg. So I'll drop in the show notes a YouTube video I found that has all the gameplay from this game. Uh, the photos that I took are not very good, so I'll rely on this third party. But yeah, that was that was an interesting discovery. No pun intended. That I had. Well, that's a great segue. I've been watch rewatching season two of Discovery. If I mentioned I started that months and months ago and i finally just made a huge stretch while i was doing some other work and uh i've always remembered like season two being kind of middling i don't remember why i remember thinking that honestly i just don't remember uh but i actually really enjoyed it i think it i still think discovery is way better as a binge show not a week to week um that show is meant to be binged um Interesting. the absolute worst of the series is still ash tyler i hate that character so much Yep. And they made allusions to that. He's coming back for Section 31 if they ever make that show. I hope they decide not to. Well, he was left in charge of Section 31. Yeah. I I hope they change their mind. <laughs> uh, or they recap, or or they give that actor a new character because maybe uh, Zach Tyler. Uh, I don't know. Just like Ash Tyler is the worst character. He, I like I like him less than Alamarang. Come to four. Alamarang. Then three more. <laughs> Uh, I, I hate him more than Threshold. I don't even hate Threshold. I hate him more than the Chula move along home. Oh my god, I hate that character so much. That's my takeaway from season two. Everything I mean, was really pretty feel. good except for him. <laughs> you know, I rem I agree with you on uh, Zach Efron or whatever his name is. But season two, <laughs> I remember when we were doing the podcast every single week. And I remember saying to you, in the penultimate episode, the second to last episode of season two. That word I do know. <laughs> okay, just checking. I remember saying on this podcast that I did something that I had never done before in Discovery, which was rewatch the episode immediately because mm -hmm. I liked that episode so much. And I've never, that's the only episode of uh, Discovery besides the Groundhog Day episode that I've gone back and rewatched. I really want to go back and rewatch the last two episodes of season two back to back. Exactly what you're mm -hmm. doing. Binging. Cause that was definitely a two parter. I mean, I know the whole series is serial, but uh -huh. those two episodes, like the first one is all talk and the second one is all action. And when you pair them together, they come out balanced. Uh -huh. Whereas if you watch one by one, it's like too much of this, too much of that. So that's something I want to do in my copious spare time is just watch not the whole season, just those two, just episodes. Those two episodes. Yeah. There's a man. I was talking to Shara. I was like, man, they, in this, in the next to the last episode, they used magnetism to kill the AI that was chasing after Spock and Burnham, and I can't believe they didn't do that for Leland here when I got when he got to Discovery. Then I'm watching more like, oh wait, that's exactly how they kill him too. Yep. <laughs> and they learned from the first forgot. time. I yep. entirely forgot. 
Anyway, we are running low on time, and there's a topic you want to talk about. One more topic, which is uh, Marina Surtis, who played counselor Deanna Troy on TNG and Picard and Lower and Decks. Voyager. And Voyager. Good point. Uh, she has left Twitter. If you go to her Twitter account, it's actually not there anymore. The complete archive is gone. The reason she gave for doing so was Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter, which at the time of this recording happened a week ago. Uh, as of this morning on Friday, November 4th, about 25% of the staff has been laid off, including some IRL friends of mine. So there are a lot of changes coming to Twitter. And I was wondering what that means for you and me. I haven't made a decision yet. Kind of watching this whole thing burn. Uh uh and see how things go i i have a feeling elon's gonna be like he's already like what have i done <laughs> but honestly i'm waiting to see how this goes if i have to make another irc channel talk about star trek i'm sure i will wow yeah i don't know what i'm gonna do either because i have like you and i each have our personal accounts i have a second personal account and then you and i share the transporter lock account so if I do leave, I will not delete my accounts like Marina did. Uh, I will stop posting to them. Uh, I have one friend who never posts to Twitter. Like they basically, they used to, and then out of protest, they stopped, but they still log in and read other people's content mm -hmm. so they can see what's trending or whatever and stay up on the latest memes. I don't know that I could do that and have the restraint to not reply. <laughs> that would be hard because like, you and I and Susan aren't like, we're always chatting amongst each other and Amanda who have all been on the show. I was like, how can I see something Amanda says and just like ignore it? I'd rather just not see it in the first place almost. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think if they make me start paying eight bucks a month to keep my blue check mark, I'm not doing that. That's absurd. Uh-huh. But. Or you know 40 what? or 20 or whatever they were talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it changes. Nice. But yeah, I think. You said Elon Musk may realize that he made a mistake. I don't know that that's in his personality. To no, that's not. I, my, I think best case scenario is he sells it back for pennies on what he, <laughs> he bought it for. <laughs> well, that kind of happened with Tumblr. Yep. You know, it went yep. for a lot of money. And then three years ago, the company I now work for bought it for about the same price as a New York City penthouse apartment, mm -hmm. which compared to the original value was a lot less. Uh, running social media companies are really hard. There's this great article called Welcome to Hell, Elon. Yeah, that was a great article. Yeah, I love it because it basically says that Twitter doesn't have a technology issue, which is something that Elon is really good at with Tesla and SpaceX. What Twitter has is a content moderation issue, and you need to moderate the content in order to attract advertisers. And that's true, but this assumes that Elon Musk is at all concerned about money. And I don't know that he's expecting an ROI on a $44 billion investment. I think he did this for other reasons. And I'm not sure that recouping that investment is important to him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so like he's already saying on Twitter that activist groups have driven away advertisers. Yeah. And you he's know, saying that and he got, he got fact check. <laughs> yeah, he did. You know, he's he's not taking into account that there has been a 500% increase in the use of certain words mm -hmm. since his mm -hmm. purchase. And those words are the kinds of words that drive off advertisers. So if you had to go somewhere else, I know you mentioned IRC. 
besides that, is there anywhere else you would go? I don't have a fallback. I I am on Instagram, but I usually a consumer and not a maybe I would talk more there, but it's another Facebook company. There's TikTok. That all has all its own in- interesting, unique problems. I've never posted there before ever. Um, I have a Discord server. Maybe I could add a Star Trek channel. I mean, uh, I mean, those are diamond. Those are free. So I mean, mm-hmm. but uh, bring back BBSs. Ah, I love it. Well, I mean, that's how I've got my internet start. I was actually thinking about this today. That BBS is, I think the modern equivalent is Mastodon. Uh, Because each one is run run by its own administrator who has their own rules and can read your DMs. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a BBS. I suppose. Uh, So to the answer, like, I don't know. Maybe social media is just done for me. I don't, other than Twitter, I don't, I mean, on Facebook, I don't post anything anymore. I go there maybe once a month to see what, um, if I remember it. But eh, I'll figure that out if I even want it in my life. Yeah, it's hard to envision a world without Twitter. I mean, I know most of our lives have been spent not on Twitter, but like for you and me, it's the main way we communicate. Mm-hmm. So we'd have to switch to something else. I, like I have other tools I use for one-on-one communication, like Signal, but that's not a social media app. Uh, I like Reddit, and I post a lot oh, I there. I use that a lot. I guess that's social media. Yeah, I, but Reddit is about topics not personalities you don't follow yeah. personalities on reddit so that's a no. different model um if i want to start using a service that i don't already use which i think is the closest analog to twitter it would probably be tumblr yeah i guess i have an account there but i don't use it for those features either yeah i, use it I to look at korasami shipping art <laughs> like i use it to post photos of me and dogs but that's mm-hmm. it and that's not what i use twitter for so I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for us. For yeah. now, you can still find us on Twitter. Yeah. And if something goes awry, we will let people know. Absolutely. But uh, I will. I, one one more thing. I saw somebody criticizing Marina Sirtis. They like quoted back at her a tweet of hers from five years ago, saying, "I'm going to buy a Tesla," and now she's saying, "I'm leaving oh, Twitter because of Elon Musk." Burn. They got her good. I was Realized. like, you, <laughs> you know what? Five years ago. I wanted a Tesla and Elon Musk has done a lot of things in the last five years to make mm-hmm. me not want a Tesla. Uh-huh. Like I see no discrepancy there. Yep. Uh, and it's almost like sometimes people can change in five years, change their mind. It's like when you know better, you do better. <laughs> and so right. when more information becomes available, you act on that. Hey, remember this thing you said 35 years ago? How about now, huh? huh? Every single night before I go to bed, I'm thinking about the stupid things I said 35 <laughs> years ago. I don't need Twitter reminding me. <sighs> well, uh, anything yeah. else? That's all I got. I'm still meh on Prodigy. Love yeah. Lower Decks. Yeah. Been, and uh, it's going to be well, a while before we get some live action truck. One thing we didn't talk about is there were some trailers that came out that I didn't watch, such as for the third season of Picard. Yeah, you didn't see how beep, and you didn't see beep, and nope. beep. Is it something you want to talk to our listeners about? Because I can take off my headset. I can have other ways to do that if I want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, I guess this is it for this week. Wasn't there something else I wanted? Oh, I wanted to apologize if there were uh, any 
awkward pauses on my side or any coughing, that's both of those are because I'm getting over COVID. And so I tried to mute on and off throughout the episode. And I just don't have the patience to go back and edit all that. So <laughs> I did not hear a single cough. Well, good. But there were probably some pauses. So I hope it just came across as thoughtful. Yes. Well, on that happy note, I hope uh, I wish good health to all our listeners. We might not talk to you again until after American Thanksgiving. Remember to fall back your clocks this past this coming weekend. And until then, we got to get that work course so we can get out of here and then we can hit it. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. <laughs>